minimalists. <laughs> Hello, simpletons. What's up, y'all? This is the Minimalist Private Podcast. And today, Ryan, we're going to do something a little bit different. Yeah. We do have some uh, hidden clutter from our audience. We'll get to that later on in this episode. We mm-hmm. had a bunch of people who tweeted us, texted us, messaged us, and talked to us about their hidden clutter. Some of it's physical clutter. Mm. Some of it is all the other clutter, right? The emotional clutter, the career clutter, the relational clutter, et cetera, et cetera. Before we get into those folks, though, Ryan, you have some questions for me. This is the first time you've ever interviewed me. Yeah. I'm I'm honored. (laughs) So am I. No, I was watching the news... You know, everything going down at the Capitol. And I thought about you because I'm like, oh, like Josh is avoiding all of this. And I wish that I could find the emotional leverage again. I found it back in October to stop looking at the news. Mm -hmm. Um, We went as long as we could to you see how long, you know, how long we could go without finding out who won the presidency. Yeah. And... It didn't take too long until we found out when it was announced. Sure. Um, so then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go back looking at the news. Right. And I I'm have, off my diet is the sort of. Yes. And I have not. Uh, I, I just haven't been the same since. Oof. But it sucks because now like, I'm having a harder time finding that emotional leverage to stop watching the media. So I I called you and I was like, hey, man, we we should have a conversation about not looking at the news and not getting too wrapped up in politics. Yeah. Um, because I know it's going to be helpful for me, but I think it's going to be helpful for our audience. I think it'll be helpful for me too, because well. you sent me a few questions beforehand Yeah, and just so I could be thoughtful on today's episode, not just sort of shoot from the hip. I, it'd be fine to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will go into this by saying, and then I'll have, I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I have a question for you. <laughs> so who's interviewing who here, man? <laughs> I, I'll go into this by, by saying mm. that there isn't a right answer here. If you want no. to watch the news, then fine. If you don't want to, that's fine as well. There is not a right and wrong here. And I want to be clear that we'll start by talking about the news, but I think this goes way beyond the news. Yeah. I think... This is about intention. Mm. I think it's about expectation. I think it's about trying to identify how we are spending our attention, Mm. our most precious resource. Uh, I don't think it's about quitting the news cold turkey per se, although that may be an ingredient that people find useful. Mm. And so, Ryan, maybe we just start by talking about the broken news I mean, breaking news. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to get into the questions? Let's do that. Is that what you're saying? Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, you talked about, and, and you told me this a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. there was a moment yes. when you decided to stop looking at the news. Yeah. And I have been waiting until this very moment to hear about that moment. So, I guess talk about the moment when you were like, I'm done. I'm not yeah. doing this anymore. I think a lot of sort of revelations happen over a protracted period of time. Mm -hmm. And I think all of them 
technically are that because it requires all the thoughts and and actions and and circumstances that lead to some sort of decision. But for me, I had this definitive moment and it was in a dream. Mm. So I had a dream. Mm -hmm. It was December 19th, 2020. Mm -hmm. That was the day, that was the moment that I realized that everything was going to shift. Like I understood it down to my bone marrow. Let me tell you about this dream. So a lot of mornings I get up and I will read either the New Yorker or I'll read uh, the newspaper. The newspaper I read is still the Dayton Daily News. That's awesome. I have a subscription. Well, had a subscription to it. We're going to talk about <laughs> what I what I no longer have a subscri- subscription to. You open up the door and it's right there in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It would be right there. My Los Angeles apartment. <laughs> <laughs> they, they deliver it. They, they hire someone. It's uh, it's $1,000 a day. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And so I would get the digital version of the Dayton Daily News. Yes. But in my dream, I opened it up the, mm. that morning, December 19th, mm-hmm. and it said December 19th, 1992. Ooh. They sent me the wrong paper. Oh, wow. And I started reading through it in my dream. Now, in your dream, I don't know if you know about this phenomenon, but you can't actually read words in a dream. Right. And so, but in the dream, I was flipping through it. All I saw was the big 1992 there. Yeah. And, and, and I was flipping through it, and what I realized is like, oh wait, they sent me the wrong news. Mm. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I look at it, and I'm like, none of this f- is relevant to my life today. Mm. And I realized if you replaced it with today's newspaper, that statement is still true. <laughs> none of this is relevant mm. to my life. And I woke up that next morning just knowing that I need to unsubscribe from any of my news now now subscribe is i'm using that word loosely because i did unsubscribe i'll give you a list of some of the stuff i unsubscribed from ryan mm-hmm. the new york times yes the new yorker magazine mm-hmm. which has become unreadable recently unfortunately because it was my favorite organ mm-hmm. la times la magazine wall street journal washington post and the Dayton Daily News. You had a subscription to the Atlantic as well, right? I don't think so. No. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I, th- no. I could have sworn. I could have sworn. I may have but, at some point. But regardless, like just to your point, like there's a lot of things that you were subscribed to that you you hit the unsubscribe button on. Yeah. By the way, I I learned how difficult it is to unsubscribe. I mean, I had to have a conversation with someone at the New York Times. You had to pick up the phone. Uh, well, they have that oh. option, or you can do the what is it the, um, the chat instant chat and they were like they were sending me up the ladder to their churn team and 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 offering me new deals so actually if there is oh, a key takeaway wow. here if you have subscriptions and you want to keep them message them anyway and be like hey let me out and they they will more times than not offer you a hold on we'll give you six months free yeah it was like it was like well, it was like an absurd discount it was like a 90 percent discount yeah and and that made me also realize like so, so i pay for these mm. news outlets because i wanted to have access to them mm-hmm. but they're double dipping too not only do you pay for the paper but it's filled with advertisements yeah it's just peppered everywhere and i was like wait i'm paying to be advertised to so that that was an additional 
revelation mm. that I had the next morning as I was unsubscribing from some stuff. Now, let me tell you this, Ryan. Hmm. The Dayton Daily News was the one of those that was just sort of the raw news. Hmm. It Everything else seemed to have some sort of slant to it. And, sure. and the Dayton Daily News, well, I'm sure you could even say there's some slant there. It was very boring, dry reporting. Yeah. Right? Mm. Now, I, I wanted to do something fun for this episode, Ryan. So I went to newspapers.com and signed up for a seven-day free trial that I better unsubscribe to. Otherwise, it's going to cost me $72. Newspaper? What is... Okay. What is, I don't know what newspapers.com is. I, I didn't either, but I wanted to find for you... Yes. The Dayton Daily News from December 19th, 1992. <laughs> and that's and so I have a copy of that paper. Well, let me see. Yeah, and then uh, I'm going to... Yeah, so, I, so it's can, I got to copy the whole paper, but yeah, take a look at, at some. Can of I read the some of these uh, headlines? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Arabs, Ar- I'm sorry. Arabs show anger. I don't know why I have trouble pronouncing that word. Santa shares letters. Let's talk about that. Hmm. So for the the top of the fold, they're automatically lying to kids on December nineteenth, nineteen ninety two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um. By the way, Santa shares letters Voinov- is not news. Voinovich wants to review tax code. Kettering Church hears Hades call for help. Now, um, this next page, I want you to. Can you read the Voinovich one? Yeah, because that's on the front page of the newspaper. Columbus, in the wake of the billion-dollar tax bill that rushed through the General Assembly this week, Governor George Voinovich, Voinovich or Voinovich, Voinovich plans to convene a committee to evaluate the state's entire tax code. Voinovich is trying to... Oh my God, I'm falling asleep over here. Voinovich is trying to persuade Mead Corp chairman Brunel Roberts to head the panel, which, yeah, this is boring. Do you really want to keep reading this? No, here's my point. Let me me get these real quick. So uh, this is the newspaper from 1992. It's just as relevant as the news is today to me is it more or less relevant to you well only you can decide yeah so okay your question is like when did you stop looking into politics or the news or whatever and Mm. and my answer to that is it wasn't just politics right it although that's a big 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 part of it Mm -hmm. and when i say politics i mean partisan politics i don't mean the affairs of the people in the traditional sense of the the word right i'm totally fine with the affairs of the people in fact i'm going to tell you what i'm still subscribed to in a moment Mm. but it wasn't just the politics right it Mm. was the news writ large Mm. because i realized it was tantamount to professional wrestling in many ways yeah most of the news now let me uh i've got this uh this quote from former podcast guest Eric Weinstein he said right now almost everything worth worth listening to is outside of the institution yeah and what he means by that is there are other alternatives now there mm-hmm. are there's long-form podcasting you can get educated at MIT for free via YouTube like that's mm. a wonderful opportunity right like true I, I say wonderful in the true sense of the world it is inspiring wonder in me that you can even do something like that. Now, when I say that the news is tantamount to professional wrestling, what I mean by that is if you look at a CNN or an MSNBC or Fox News or or whatever. Breitbart, whatever. Yeah. 
We're not uh, singling any news. Yeah, Breitbart is a fringe sort of organization, but I'm talking about like even the the ones that I would look at, right? I see what you're saying, like the mainstream. Mm-hmm. You mean the lame stream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mainstream, but even the sort of alternative to a certain extent, right? Sure. Um, so it, anywhere in that spectrum, not you know far fr- fringe sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you go fringe enough. It, it's always existed, by the way. Mm. People used to produce pamphlets and put them on people's cars. Is it was effectively tweeting 30, 40, 50 years before tweeting was invented. You would get fringe news. Sure. But when we're talking about you know looking at the news, you you know you have organs or stations to which you tune into mm. regularly. Mm-hmm. If I were to tell you, Ryan. What's the news today? You can name four or five places you would go to regurgitate yeah. some news. There's about eight to ten, which is a wow. problem. Yeah. Wow. So um, you would have one you would go to first usually, and mm-hmm. then from there you, you would just sort of branch out, right? And, and you're right. There's a, a type of hidden clutter and even the amount of, well, if there's eight to ten places I'm going, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like, well, yes, I'm reading one left, one right, one center. All that's silly anyway that's just teams right in fact professional wrestling was the best analogy here because professional wrestling is still a thing it's a sport requires a lot of skill yeah just like being on the news being don lemon Mm -hmm. being tucker carlson Mm -hmm. requires a lot of skill we'd like to believe that it doesn't anyone Mm -hmm. could just hop no you couldn't right you couldn't do it. You can't be Sean Hannity. Right. Whether you love him or hate him, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. He is a skilled performer. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you hate The Undertaker or not. He's a skilled performer. Yes. And so I, it doesn't, by saying it's like pro wrestling, it's not taking anything away from them. It's seeing it for what it is. Mm. It's comparing pro wrestling to... MMA, which is real fighting, right? So there are places where you can go, scholarly journals like American Affairs, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. where you're not going to get the news per se, but you will get points of view on policy and on life in America. Mm-hmm. American Affairs is one of the two organs to which I still subscribe. It's a quarterly journal, so I, it doesn't give me any breaking news because mm. news is always breaking it's broken but it does give me insight into the world now i want to take this analogy a bit farther ryan um, wait american journal this uh, is the quarterly american, american affairs american affairs this is the quarterly one yeah it's quarterly okay cool yeah and it's basically essays on policy and and um and life in america and there's an amazing thing in the most uh, amazing essay in the most recent uh, journal American Affairs, and it's about, so it does touch on relevant topics. It's it's the, ec- the economy sort of post-COVID or in the midst of COVID, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so having an understanding of that is different mm-hmm. from the breaking news and conjecture. It is, it, it, it's looking at that through a particular lens. And so what this author did is they looked at Utah, and I think the, uh, the, title of the article was the economic exceptionalism of the state of utah Mm. and um, they compare it to scandinavian countries in terms of equality it's the most equal state in the country it's the most charitable state 
in the country. Mm. And it's the only state whose uh, GDP equivalent, I don't know what measure they call it, but basically their GDP equivalent has gone up during the pandemic. Mm. And the reason being is they believe in well-run small bureaucracies, mm. but it's not that they're, uh, they're not anti-government. Mm-hmm. They're pro-effective government. Yeah. And you start to really understand the nuances of something that you would never get from pro wrestling, I mean, from the mainstream media. Uh, and, and the same is true with MMA. There are nuances there that make pro wrestling seem kind of silly. Mm-hmm. However, let me also say this, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Both of those are forms of fighting. Mm. And so it's also possible to opt out of both Mm. now i have for all intents and purposes opted out of both and let things come to me as they may Mm -hmm. i have stayed subscribed to two organs one is as i just mentioned american affairs the other is the dayton business journal Mm. because it is it never touches on anything that disturbs my peace. Uh, but if they do disturb my peace in any way, Dayton Business Journal just basically gives you news, business news about my hometown, mm. right? Yeah. It, the only reason I subscribe to that and to American Affairs is it's something that I'm interested in mm. and it does not disrupt my tranquility in yeah. any way. And the moment that it does, then it would have to go as well. Because it, here's why, disturbing the peace isn't bad, right? It's it's not peaceful, and it's not, and therefore it's not a cost that I'm willing to pay. And right now, what I hear from a lot of folks is like, well, yeah, I'm willing to pay that cost of watching the news, reading the news, whatever, even though I know it's going to disturb the peace. And what I've realized recently, Ryan, is that you know, take that shirt you're wearing, for example. Mm-hmm. Let's say it costs thirty bucks. Okay, but let's say that. A month from now, or six months from now, mm-hmm. you realize, wait, it wasn't thirty bucks. There was it's a reoccurring fee, mm. and it's thirty dollars a week. And mm. I've spent you know fifteen hundred dollars on this shirt now. Yeah, you would say, oh, I misunderstood the cost. I thought it was a one-time thirty-dollar cost, mm. but what it really is is a recurring cost. And I was paying this recurring cost of disturbing my peace by every morning seeking out because I thought it was, um, I thought it'd make me an informed citizen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the lie we tell ourselves. Mm. It's the same lie I tell myself when I go to the eight different news sites. Oh, I'm looking at all the perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I can be well informed. I can see everyone's perspective. But it's funny you mentioned the wrestling analogy because I look at the news, fringe news or mainstream media, politics for that matter. Mm-hmm. It is a really poorly done reality show. Mm. Like that's, it is a reality show that we, uh, we think is real. Um, but it, it yeah, I mean, at least like the Kardashians, you know what it is. You yeah. know, where well, the news, like we fool ourselves in thinking it's reality, mm-hmm. but really it's a reality show, a really poorly done one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe it's uh, it's better done than we think because it really captivates us, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. It's poorly done in the sense that that's not 
reality. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, growing up, dude. Since I mean, since I knew you in the fifth grade, <laughs> you have always been into politics. Yeah. Uh, you have informed me about how the government works. What the? What the, I don't know. I didn't know what the Ides of March were until you kind of explained it to me. Mm-hmm. Um. So what? From a young age, what? Uh. Why were you so involved in? the knowings of politics because i remember you like being an advocate of you know like bill clinton when we were like in the sixth or seventh grade sure yeah yeah i mean i i think there's sort of the narrative overlay and then there's the truth Mm -hmm. the narrative overlay is like it's the facts the facts are that i wanted to be an informed citizen right Mm. i i think the truth behind that is because it's what you're supposed to do. Oh yeah. So like, I could even see as a child, you're like, oh, this is what a this is what adults do. Mm-hmm. So I'm supposed to do this. Oh. And what does supposed mean? It means my culture has dictated this. Mm. I, I think there's a second truth behind that it, that developed over time because of the supposed to th- supposed yeah. to do something thing. And, and that second truth is that because I was addicted to chaos. Mm. Was your mom into politics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to to a certain extent, she was a political person. Mm-hmm. She she was uh, she had a few issues that she was uh, a rather staunch supporter of, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, she was. A- and although, like, I sort of thumbed my nose at her politically when I was growing, I I, I am much more nuanced now. Mm-hmm. But I'm when I look at politics, it really does mean the affairs of the people, and we have confused that with. Yeah. The um, entertainment of the people. Yeah, and just to be clear, when I say politics at any time during this, um, uh, yeah, it's not... You mean partisan politics. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so maybe we should just be a little clear on that. But, yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, it's went from the affairs of the people to this partisan politics. You know, I bet you... Well, the first was it Buttigieg is probably the first time we ever talked about politics at all mm-hmm. when I'm on the show and we talked about how it was the affairs of the people I bet you there's a large amount of listeners who didn't even realize like that's what the original meaning was right um, yeah because it's it's ta- it's taken on a new meaning just recently by the way yeah. the news didn't used to be infotainment mm. the news used to be what the again the Dayton Daily News I would argue that that is not the um, the pro wrestling. Dayton Daily News was this. It's boring. <laughs> cut. Voinovich wants to review tax code. Front page of the newspaper. Top of the fold. Yeah. Voinovich yeah. wants to. Yeah. And so here's here's all I'm saying, Ryan, is that even the Dayton Daily News, let's say that's in this analogy, that is mixed martial arts, mm. MMA, it's not the, but it's still fight a type of fighting. It was chaos that I was addicted to. Mm. And so what I've attempted to do is remove myself from the chaos. The two things that don't disturb my peace right now, as I've said, Dayton, mm. da- uh, Dayton Business Journal, American Affairs, the moment they do disturb my peace, mm. they're out of here. Yeah. So, you know, we've written about how most emergencies aren't. Right. We've talked about this. So I guess... How do you find out about true 
emergencies. Like what? Oh, uh, I don't know. Like uh, going to the store and the shelves being empty because there's some panic buying that happened. Or uh, maybe there's a tornado in Los Angeles in West Hollywood and it's coming for you. Or uh, maybe it is a really, really crappy air quality that you shouldn't go outside. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there are yeah. certainly uh, na- uh, things that happen in nature that are mm-hmm. true emergencies. Um, and then very rarely are there things like, like you don't want to go to the store and be like, oh, man, the shelves are empty. Like you would much rather know like, oh, I'm not going to go to the store because I know that the shelves are empty. Right. But if the cost, if the cost is that, once in a 40-year period, I go to the store and the shelves are empty. Mm. That's a price I'm willing to pay. Cool. Um, what about like natural disasters, things like that? You always hear about, I mean, they, they come through to my phone now. And so like oh, yeah, that's true, true emergencies make their way to me. Mm. Although what I will say is that I've never been in a true emergency yeah. that I've ever need the, the news would even make sense about true emergencies always involve me or my family mm-hmm. and, and so like remember when I we dropped that glass bottle on our way to Madison Wisconsin yes uh, I got out of the car it fell out of the door exploded shards of glass shot in my leg I was bleeding all over the loves bathroom <laughs> somewhere outside of Chicago so much blood so much blood <laughs> that's a true emergency <laughs> Yeah, sure. I needed no news for that. Yeah. A- and so whenever there is a true emergency, it finds its way to you. Yeah, I I could see that. I could totally see that. So, well, this kind of brings me to the next question where, like, you didn't learn about the Capitol mm-hmm. for almost a week. Yeah. Um, You see, for me, like, the whole Capitol thing, it's interesting because... I actually realized how privileged I am and many of us are where something like that insurrection could happen. And if I didn't know anything about it, my life wouldn't have been any different. Of course. Like I, that's been true for all of human history. Yeah. But in the same token, in the same token, there's some major historical events happening that, uh, that are, I don't know, not that I want to be aware of or that I want to be not part of it, but I don't know, man. Like if we're landing on Mars, take the capital out of it. If we're landing on Mars for the very first time, like I would love to watch it. So there's an entertainment factor, I guess. Sure. But there's also like being part of history factor. There's also, um, the curiosity. There's, there's a lot of things there that make you want to watch something like landing on the Mars. Uh, like landing on yeah, like humans landing landing on Mars, which I think will probably happen before we die, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. So I guess what I don't know. I don't know. I guess uh, yeah. Help, help me with this. And the, the question really is like with the capital specifically. Like, did you wish you would have found out any sooner? Um. Mm, and, I, I but, like that question. But then also the the other question though too is like. Why are these events, wh- how, like, how are you, why are you not interested in these events, I guess? Sure. Yeah. So let's start with the first one. Like, what, do you wish you would have found out a little sooner about the Capitol? I wish I would have never heard about it. Yeah, that's fair. And, 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 and here's why, because it's none of my business. Hmm. 
And how's it? Expound on how it's none of your business. I just mean I'm how expound on how it is my business. Well, I mean, if the government's trying to be overthrown, that affects that will affect your life eventually. So to, you know, for the lack of a better phrase, to bury your head in the sand mm-hmm. as someone is trying to overthrow your government, mm-hmm. I guess I just don't see. I don't see how it's not your business. Yeah. Do you think my head's buried in the sand? Uh, no, literally, it's not buried in the sand. No, I mean, figuratively. Is my head well, buried f- in the sand? No, but Am fi- I uninformed? W- no, but you're saying you wish you never would have found out about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, d- to me, it is, it's ignoring, it's ignoring something yes. major that's happening. So let's say they did... You know, let's say something, you know, something crazy happened. Our government started to be overthrown. Uh-huh. Um, I guess at what point do you start paying attention? Yeah, I, I don't I don't engage in catastrophic thinking because every time I do, it, it leads me into dark places. It leads you to where I am, where I check the news 20 times a day. Right, and, and so, so, things, yeah. so I just don't engage in, in, in the catastrophic thinking. I, we can talk about what is. Sure. And, and so... For all of human history, let's say human beings are roughly 250,000 years old. Okay. Uh, It could be longer than that. Sure. Um, But 200,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. there was a warring tribe, warring collection of people Mm. 3,000 miles away from where our tribe is now. Mm -hmm. And we would have never even heard about it, thought about it, whatever. Mm -hmm. That was the case until very, very, very very recently like the last blink of an eye in yeah. terms of human couple history couple decades yeah and and so i think that that what's happening now is we are hyper stimulated mm-hmm. and we've we've spread our attention so thin our attention is is just like all over the the map now quite literally in this case the map meaning like it's 3000 miles away from us mm-hmm. and it is none of my business uh, what o- other people decide to do. I'm not going to convince them otherwise. Now, right. here's the other option. Hmm. I could make it my business. Hmm. But if I'm going to make it my business, then I, I am going to do something about it. Hmm. Right? Because there would be nothing worse than if I were to make it my business and then do nothing about it. Hmm. But that's what I was doing for so long with the news. I would sure. make it my business and hmm. say, ah, that freaking sucks right okay well guess i'm gonna go change the oil on my car right and so so we can say that it's a privileged position i think it's a much more privileged position to have access to the news of it Mm. and and do nothing about it yeah and so for me i've decided that i'm just not willing to pay that cost and and as long as i it's not that I'm not interested in it because you say, you know, how, why aren't you interested in it? And the truth is, yeah, I find that compelling and interesting. But it's not worth the cost of going to the dark place. Right. To, const- to be consumed by that. It's like I, I uh, cheesecake, my favorite food. Yeah. Can't eat it. Mm-hmm. No, it's I could. I could stick it in my mouth, masticate, swallow, mm. etc. But the cost of that is so high that that moment of pleasure is not worth it to me. That dopamine rush of the cheesecake is not mm. worth it to me. So 
during the riots, mm-hmm. the L.A. the uh, the by June first. Yeah, thank you. I guess the looting. Maybe they weren't riots. The looting, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, there was there was there were a lot of peaceful peaceful protests, and then there was some looting. looting. Right. Yeah. So during the l- looting, you had mentioned how glued you were to the news. You totally glued. So uh, I guess when that was happening, like how often? Because like when the Capitol thing happened, I think mm-hmm. for three days I didn't go, unless we were recording a podcast. I was having a conversation, like, unless I was, you know, giving someone my full attention, um, I probably didn't go more than 10 minutes without checking a news update. Did that help you in any way? Of course not. Well, they'll say, I mean, they'll say, of course not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I meant that it wasn't a gotcha question. I re- oh, no, I no, no. Like, but, but my question to you is, is how, when you, when the, when the looting was happening, how often were you looking at it? Yeah. So this is before all this revelation and everything, yes, right? This is back in yeah June of 2020. Let me tell you how often. Once. In perpetuity, and it was miserable, <laughs> miserable, like, like a live update. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, oh, it's on now. Well, and, and you know what? I realized, and this was this played a, a part in the December nineteenth revelation for me. Mm. Uh, it was freaking Ella out. What, oh. what am I doing? She had just turned seven, oh. like a week previous. She was getting scared. She was terrified. Oh. In fact, she got so scared that we went to one of the Black Lives Matter protests yeah. uh, and a peaceful protest that she was scared because she had seen cops doing stuff to people on the TV. Oh. And now she's getting this uh, this idea of you know cops, if, if just they're present, there's going, not that the cops are even violent, but she saw that mm. if the cops are there, that means there's going to be violence. Oh. And so you start associating crowds of people with violence. And, and weirdly, yeah. uh, I could see how, how the news could accidentally be associating people of color with violent acts, especially in kids, because they're mm. seeing, oh, you look, it's protests, and all of a sudden they show looting. Yeah. And, and, and then a little kid is just gets confused because they see all of these things up there, and they can't handle all of the, the nuance. So mistakenly, I, I, I interrupted not my own, just my own piece, but mm. the piece of my daughter. It's worth considering. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So checking the news every 10 minutes, I was actually looking for answers it's almost like it's so weird man because I, I didn't really see it this way until i was talking to some some friends about this but the news presents a problem here's the problem here's what's going on here's the craziness that's going on and then i kept going back to the news looking for an answer to that problem i'm writing this down here because answers versus understanding i wrote down yeah and so when we go to the news, you're right, for answers, or another way to say it is for facts, mm. right? You, mm. What are the facts? And too often, we mistake the facts for truth. Yeah, th- I mean, yes, that is true. But where I was going with this is like, it's actually, I'm looking for, I'm looking to feel better by having the answers. Like, I got this anxiety of, oh, there's an insurrection happening. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I kept going back to be like, okay, how are they dealing with this? How are they, who are they arresting? How are they holding people accountable? How are they, and for some reason in my mind, if, you know, in a perfect world, they would be like, oh yes, and these 600 people were rounded up and they're all in prison now. And, uh, you know, whatever, QAnon is labeled as a terrorist organization and they've taken down the organ. Like, Why is that any of my business? Oh, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying, I'm speaking to why I was looking at it every 10 minutes. It's almost like, 
the news presents the problem mm-hmm. and it creates the anxiety and then I go to the then I go back to the news right. looking for the solution, like looking for the answer yes. uh, to feel better. The solution is the problem. Yeah. And, and and we are when we start searching for solutions, we we avoid, we circumvent an understanding of the problem. And and so I was really asking why is that my problem? But but I the question behind that mm. was supposed to be Ryan. Why is that, why is that your business? Why is that your problem? Why is that for you to decide? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, you know, I tell myself that it's because I want to be aware of. Well, let's go back to the looting. Let's let's take the um, let's try to like leave the politics out of it. Let's go back to the looting. Sure. They literally were looting in your neighborhood. Yes. Okay. So. Don't you want to on my street, right? Don't you want to know like when they're coming down the? Sh- don't you want to know before they come down the street? I'll or see them if they're coming down the street. But that's exactly but it. So thing. you don't you don't want a warning. You, you don't you don't want a warning. Be like, hey, just a heads up. They're gonna be they're gonna be uh, protests on uh-huh. your street in a week. Uh-huh. They're planning it. No, a lot of these protests uh, turn into looting. Uh-huh. Um, so they could potentially be looting in your street. So instead of getting the advanced, yeah. Uh, the advanced news, you would rather just, well, if they loot and they're on my street, I'll see them looting on my street and then I'll deal with it then. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't engage in catastrophic thinking. So that is, so that is where, um, that is where I think I get caught up is because, uh, m- m- yeah, maybe it is getting involved with the catastrophic thinking to an extent. Um, sounds like a catastrophe to me. Yeah, of course. But, I don't know, man. Like, for example, this weekend, there was the possibility of, you know, all these armed protests in Beverly Hills and stuff. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah. So, like, I avoided Beverly Hills. Now, none of that happened. I don't think it happened. Right. Um, But the problem is, is that, yeah, I, I feel like there's a balance between... I don't know what that balance is because really we're on two sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You are saying, well, if a catastrophe happens, I'll know where I'm like, I want to make sure that I want to avoid potential cat- catastrophes. So I feel like there's got to be a balance there somewhere with, um, with avoiding catastrophes. Cause that's the whole idea, right? Is mm-hmm. trying to avoid catastrophes. Yeah. I think the way to avoid catastrophes is to be, prepared to, to the best of your ability, but that you're not going to be able to prepare for everything, obviously. No, of course not. But, and we, we talked about this, uh, with the pandemic planning episode, mm-hmm. uh, you can find back in the, ar- uh, maximal archives, pandemic mm-hmm. planning, mm-hmm. planning. I think we did that with, uh, TK Coleman, yeah. I believe. It's another great point too, actually speaking of, yeah. And, and so, so, but what that means is you've understood the problem and you took care of it once so that, mm-hmm. that, you know, if it's, well, I want to defend my family, and so uh, buying a firearm is the decision I want to make. Well, all of a sudden, buying the firearm, getting the training, mm. is now that problem's taken care of. I can stop catastrophizing it. Yeah. That's the word, isn't it, Sean? Catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with it. If not, it's a, it's a real word now. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, like, whatever I'm doing now is not the healthy version of it, uh, of, of preparing for catastrophes or whatever preparing for uh, just for when Use um, the word balance so it's like it, let's say you were let's say you had a trip planned 
to Washington, D.C. Okay. And, like, you didn't look at the news, and you just show up, and you're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, I don't engage in catastrophic thinking. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I understand what you're saying. It, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't sound like a good answer to me, but I understand what you're saying. And, and what I mean by it doesn't sound like a good answer is that th- there are tornadoes that happen in Kansas, and people have to be aware of, and the, they will be aware of the weather. They don't need the, they don't need the news to be aware of tornadoes. Um, that's true. Do they give you insurrection, uh, or do they give you mob violent? Could, did you get an alert on your phone when they were looting in your street? Yeah, I got the curfew warning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Good to know. Um, is there any disadvantages? Do you see any disadvantages? Because this is really yeah. where I'm. This is where I'm caught up uh, in not yes. not paying attention to the news altogether. I see a disadvantage in not engaging in the media because of these potential catastrophes and again i'm not i'm not approaching it from a healthy way i'm trying to get to where you're at but i'm caught up on the um i'm just caught up on i don't know man caught up on i guess the the catastrophes like i'm caught up on the like how i mean you're literally you're relying on you're relying on uh, note of why? Why are you smiling at me like that? You're giving me like the shit-eating grin right now. Well, uh, yeah, just the, the relying on thing. Yeah, so you're relying, but you are relying on. Sure, you're relying on uh, basically these massive texts to come out and like tell you like, oh, the catastrophe is happening. Here's what you need to look out for. Yes, and you're relying on CNN. Uh, and, and but so- I'm not. But that's just it. That's why we're having this conversation. Right. Is because they're the wrong people to rely on. Yeah. I rely I'm sorry. It's, it sounded accusatory when you're saying, I'm trying to get to where you're at. Well, I, I'm not. And I, I feel like you're kind of patronizing me right I, now. I'm not trying to convince you to be where I'm at. I'm, I'm answering your questions. Sure. And, sure. And, and so um, I have. So I, what, are the, what are the disadvantages to not staying engaged with media? There's, there's several. Mm. The first one is that it's. So, so maybe my analogy is like it's the same disadvantages of choosing not to snort cocaine. Okay. okay. So I, mean, I, I think I, I'm not following you, but I'm I'm listening. Okay. So like if someone snorts cocaine, they get a cocaine high from it. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's fun and exciting and thrilling and and then of course there's a come down from that, right? Sure. And so I think the news is very similar to me. Uh, I respond in a, a sort of methamphetaminic way to the news. Mm. And, and so, yes, there's a disadvantage because you don't get that, that mm. high of, of being in it, being engaged, being uh, mm-hmm. um, excited. Mm. I, maybe the word excitement isn't always the right word. So we we can just say dopamine. Like there, you're a disadvantage of missing out on dopamine. Are there any other disadvantages to not staying engaged with the media? If there are, the benefits outweigh the disadvantages. Mm. I don't know what those other disadvantages. Yeah, I might don't know be. what they are either. I I don't actually personally. I don't see any disadvantages. The only disadvantage I see is what I talked about earlier with the catastrophes. Uh-huh. But you know, maybe for me, the balance is. Uh, and when I say balance, 
I'm not talking action. I'm talking a balance of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that balance is understanding that if there's a tornado landing in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. we're going to get a warning of like, hey, uh, there's a tornado that's going to land there. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't just rely on some text notification system, but what I'm saying is that understanding that I'm opted out, I don't think anyone else is going to opt out, okay? I'm not saying that they should. I'm not saying that I encourage you to. But what I'm saying is everyone else is staying opted in. If sure. So something's going to make its way to me. There's so many... Every time something happens, there was a forest fire 40 miles from my house mm-hmm. and everyone from Ohio is texting me. Right. Hey, are you okay out there? Are you guys on fire? Yeah, uh, I was that's not that even too. in my county. So basically, you are relying on people who are opted in <laughs> to make it okay for you to opt out. No, I, I understand what right. you're saying. So, so here's... Uh, let's put it another way. Yeah. I'm, I'll be 40 years old this year. Not once in my life has the news media mm. prevented a catastrophe. Oh, uh, of course not. Yeah. In my own life. Yeah, me either. Yeah. And, and so that's how I'm able to say... I don't engage in the catastrophic thing. I have 40 years of empirical evidence Mm. that shows me it has not been beneficial to me. Mm. I can keep carrying it if I want to, especially if the excitement is worth it. Mm -hmm. Because I think also that's what it comes down to. If the excitement is worth it, then carrying that small boulder, it's not even that big of a boulder. Mm. It's not that troublesome, Mm. although it can be. And it sounds to me like for you, you're at uh, a tipping point. When it becomes... Well, I just... Yeah. Well, when it becomes untenable, when that exci- I don't want to carry this anymore. I know it's exciting, but I just don't want to carry this with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Then in setting it down, I'm also setting down the excitement mm-hmm. of the dopamine, of the, the checking. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's uh, uh, scrolling is the new smoking. I know we say that um, uh, we should have no scrolling sections <laughs> in... Uh, <laughs> Uh, at places right and instead yeah. of the the no smoking section yeah 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 man no i mean this is and just to reiterate for the listeners no one's trying to convince anyone of anything i have a problem that i am seeking josh's help with you're trying to understand the problem really yeah really and hopefully what what it's we're not even how to i'm trying to emotionally get to these questions yeah that's what i mean by by understanding the problem because mm. once you understand I think how troubling the news actually is. Mm. You understand the true cost of of the engagement. The we're, we're talking about hidden clutter, right? I mean, talk about psychological clutter. Mm. That's what you're going through right now. Mm. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's it's torturous mm-hmm. in in many ways. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Um, how do you choose who you're going to vote for? Because hmm. I know you vote. Yeah, I've I've voted um, in the last election, and I didn't get any of it from the news. Um, When I get the ballot in California, they send you a ballot in advance. Mm -hmm. I spend a disproportionate amount of time, (laughs) inordinate amount of time, researching each person, right? (laughs) And do they have a video on YouTube, uh, any interviews with them, or a particular thing? Now, on the election day episode that we did last year, Ryan, with TK and... Mm -hmm. um, Jamie Kilstein and of course Kim Iverson. Mm-hmm. We um, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And what did we talk about? We talked about. Uh, 
I think that ballot is one of the best arguments against democracy <laughs> because I should not have a say. There is no real should or shouldn't, but it's stupid for me to have a say in the Los Angeles Community College Board of Trustees. Yeah. That's that's silly. It mm. doesn't make sense for me to vote on that. Right. And especially a person who's not even willing to get partially informed because there was like 32 candidates there. Yeah. Even I'm not going to look at all 32 of them. And so it becomes a bit silly. Um, I, I did with Mariah just to see how long it took us, and it took us like six hours to vote. It's a whole day process, yeah. right? And it was crazy. I, I will say this. I don't know that I'll continue to vote, and we'll explore that topic in the future. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So really the, the short of the answer is if, you, if there is someone or if there's a position that you want to vote for, then you get the ballot and you do the research when you're, when you're voting. I like that. Because right. actually, that's actually uh, that's a better approach than watching the news anyway. It's proactive, not reactive. Yeah, and it's always going to be slanted. And you're probably going to be actually more informed if you do it that way rather than leading up to the actual vote. I think it's possible, yeah. Cool. Uh, I think we're cover this one what kind of current events do you keep up on where do you go for that i think you already answered that so let's talk about that really i don't really keep up on current events really in, in the sense that um what's, what's current right yeah that, that's a great great question there so great american point. affairs like it would be quarterly those are the current affairs that you keep up with the quarterly right, and, and, but a lot of those are like here's a this is a reviewing a scholarly paper from 2003 mm-hmm. and so it's not always that's relatively current if we're talking about now versus the Paleolithic age. And if they're bringing that up, I'm sure it's apt to that quarter. Like they're not bringing up like let's just review 2003. Sometimes, but sometimes it's it's uh, just for the sake of bringing up. I mean, it is relevant in the sense that it's not relevant to current events, but it's but everything that's happening is always a current event in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, that's like a, the pithy answer, right? Everything that's happening is a current event. <laughs> and so the question isn't, how do you keep up on current events? The question is, what current events do you not keep up on? Which is, you don't keep up on 99% of current events. Sure. Uh, because you don't know like what, what's happening in Sri Lanka right now or Finland, mm-hmm. right? And so there are 190 one country, 193 countries in the world, there's 192 of them that you don't keep up with their current events. Mm -hmm. And so you're still not keeping up with 99% of them. I just keep up with like 0.9% fewer. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then the next question is, yeah, do you you stay current with any political issues? And with that, I do mean the affairs of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So So taxes or... Oh, I don't know, man. Water rights. Keep up with water rights. What's going on with water rights in Alabama? <laughs> Generally, no. I, I, I don't. I, I, this is sort of the current affairs thing again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I generally don't, but they. I will say this. I don't. I don't denounce it either, and I, mm-hmm. I, I want to be clear about all of this. Like, I'm not denouncing the news. I've just stopped sure. seeking it out. Yeah. So news makes its way to me. Mm-hmm. And and. Although if it is disturbing my peace, mm-hmm. I, I will say that to someone. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, it's just that that, that, yeah. that isn't a, a peaceful thing. It doesn't help my peace. And yeah. and people tend to understand it's a bit jarring at first because, but if you extend that out farther, because mm-hmm. what I'm really saying is, hey, that bothers me, right? Mm. Now, m- imagine if, if you came to me and you're like, Josh, I want to talk to you about b- 
President Trump mm-hmm. or President Biden. Mm-hmm. And now if I were to be like, yeah, you know, that I don't think that's good for my peace. Mm-hmm. Or if I were like, yeah, that's just it's disturbing to me. I, and you were to carry out it, it'd be the same thing as like coming up and like, I don't Giving me you know, a noogie on my head until like I'm like, yeah, it's just dis- it's disturbing me. Oh, I think I'd rather have a noogie. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, sometimes people get offended because they're like, "But I want to be able to have this conversation with you." That's like saying, "But I want to be able to give you a noogie because it increases my joy." Yeah, yeah. Mm. Giving you noogies does increase my joy. <laughs> uh, do you intend to keep this up long term? I, I don't intend to trade my peace for chaos. And so if there was a way that I felt that I could exist with the news mm. and it didn't disturb my peace, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah. I don't see a way that it doesn't disturb my peace. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is a lifestyle change for you. This isn't a... Um, cause like for me, when I stopped looking in October, it was specifically to avoid the habit change. Yeah. It was specifically to avoid finding out who got elected just to see how long we could go. Yeah. Um, this is why habit change doesn't work in general is because it, it, it was a diet. It wasn't a, it right. wasn't a lifestyle choice. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a behavior instead of an understanding. Yeah. 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 Uh, is there anything that would, I don't know if, make you start looking at the news again or what would have to happen for you to like start looking at the news again a a total reformation of what the news means (laughs) so like if american affairs is it's something i've mentioned the podcast we've had dozens of our listeners sign up for american affairs not an advertisement and by the way Mm. i might stop reading it next month so Mm. don't think i'm even endorsing it i'm simply saying Mm. that it is something that it's given me a better understanding of things, yeah. but there are even articles in there where it doesn't make sense. And so I'll stop reading it. There are scholarly articles from different points of view, different uh, political affiliations, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm less concerned about that. I, I seek out things that tend to pique my interest, right? Mm. Now, there, if something piques my interest and does not disturb the peace, then... Mm-hmm then I can go after it. Mm. If I can exist in a world where the news is like that, Mm. then sure, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But as long as it is chaotic to me, I'm going to uh, not seek it out. You know what's interesting? I, reading this question, and you answered it just fine, um, but really what what I, when I wrote this question, what I was thinking was is what catastrophe would have to happen for you to start looking at the news again. Oh, wow. And uh, we've kind of already had that talk where, you know, because uh, I'm like freaking out, well, what if this happens? What if, what if that happens? What if this happens? And you're like, well, I'm not going to entertain these catastrophes. I'm not going to entertain these worst case scenarios. I can answer that question, though. The, uh, there is no catastrophe, period, that you could make up that would make me tune into the news again. Hmm. Interesting. Thanks, man. This really helped. Um, here's what I'll here's what I'll say is 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 garbage in, garbage out, and so the news is generally garbage, and that's not a value judgment. There's mm-hmm. fa- some fine garbage out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some garbage that is cleaner than other garbage, mm. 
And and so shouldn't talk about Bex that way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is, there's, it's garbage in, garbage out, and I just don't want that sort of garbage in my mental diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really helpful, man. Um, It is for me. What it helped highlight is, and maybe this has to do with my end of the world Armageddon upbringing. Yeah, programming. But there is a there is something intellectually that I'm starting to understand more about this catastrophe thinking, but um, I still am not like in this moment I'm not emotionally prepared or ready or I just can't get there emotionally to let go yeah. of the catastrophe thinking. You haven't suffered enough yet. It is what I think Anthony DeMello would say. Um, sure, I'm, I'm willing I'm willing to uh, explore that. But but really, it's like, again, intellectually, like I understand I can't sit here and just... Um, and I got this from the last time we kind of had a similar conversation about, oh, is socialism taking over? Is not, you know, is fascism taking over? Um, is there going to be a civil war on my street? Are mm-hmm. they going to be looting on my block again? Like, there are those there are those extreme catastrophes that the media makes me think are a possibility of happening Mm -hmm. even to the point where it's even worse than that man like i'll start to piece together catastrophes without even the news flat out saying it i'm like oh well x y and z are happening so maybe a b or c will happen because of x y and z now you 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 brought up your upbringing, and I think that's an important part here. So you were part of a, a faith tradition that um, not mm. only preached the end of the world, but preached it as, as though it was imminent and almost immediate. Mm. In fact, there I remember there were t- times when you were a kid that your father told you that you didn't need to worry about college because the world would be over by then anyway. Yeah. yeah. And so of course there's a particular kind of toxic programming mm. that has gone on there. And I would say yeah. that we all have some sor- sort of, some form of toxic programming yeah. in us uh, from our society, from our culture, from our religion, from our community, from our neighborhood. Mm. There, there's going to be some sort of programming there. And what I, what this whole experiment has been for me has been more than an experiment. It has been a deprogramming of a lot of that that toxicity and so i think i think that the i think the news as we think about it Mm. as constituted today Mm -hmm. is mostly toxic yeah and and totally agree if we can if we can cut out the toxins then yes mm. we can still be informed if we want to mm. you don't have to be by the way mm. you can go live on a, a in a cabin in the middle of wyoming mm-hmm. and that's not wrong it's not bad it's not you're not informed so you're a terrible citizen mm-hmm. by the way citizen isn't a good or bad thing either mm-hmm. you don't have to be one of these things and once you step back and realize this you can say I'm going to engage in the news because it's what I want to do mm. because I, I'm going to be honest with myself and I'm addicted to the chaos and I really enjoy the chaos. So that's not good or bad. It just is. It just is. What do you say to someone like me? And I assure you there are many people listening to this right now Yeah, who would love to just 
stop engaging in catastrophic thinking. We would just love to flip a switch. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to engage in that thinking anymore. Yes. It's not possible to right. just flip a switch. So how can someone understand a path towards uh, focusing less on catastrophic thinking? Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, my answer to myself is it probably starts with not looking at the news. Mm. That's probably where it starts. I think not looking at the news is actually a byproduct of a deeper understanding of the problem. And the problem here is not the news. Mm -hmm. The news is a symptom of a problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, anything else that's similar to that, you know, constantly scrolling is the same thing as checking the news in many Mm. ways. It It is a distraction. And we use these weapons of mass distraction, mm-hmm. our glowing screens that we carry with us, set up by the side of our bed and wake up next to. We, we have those there, and they simply amplify the problem. The problem is the catastrophic thinking. And so what is the problem behind the problem? Mm. Well, that's our programming. Mm. And we've been programmed to believe catastrophic things. It's not in our DNA. Mm. It's not an innate thing. Now, we, yeah. we're programmed for anxiety, don't get me wrong, because sure. it's better to be anxious than it is to have our limbs torn off by a l- giant animal, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have, we have evolved to be anxious. To, but the problem is that flinch response, as Julian Smith calls it, mm-hmm. adapted to protect us from apex predators, birds of prey, etc. And now we use it because it's like, oh, they're looting 3,000 miles away from me. Hmm. I'm flinching at that the same way I would as if they were in my building. So, so what kind of questions, maybe this, maybe this is a better question, what kind of questions that people start asking themselves mm-hmm. to deprogram or to... Um, be less programmed i because I, I think we're always going to be programmed yeah but what questions does someone ask themselves to start start that deep programming i've got three for you i'm going to read them to you from anthony Demello. okay so at least three there's maybe four i don't know let me just read this to you it's yeah. uh we got this is from the way to love mm-hmm. in our continuing of this series the way <laughs> to love series yes on the minimalist podcast uh, my minimalist private podcast. Shout out, patrons. <laughs> this is called No Stone Will Be Left. Think of a flabby person covered with layers of fat. Mm, you shouldn't talk about me like that. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> that is what your mind can become. Flabby. Covered with layers of fat till it becomes too dull and lazy to think, to mm. observe, to explore, to discover. It loses its alertness, its aliveness, its flexibility, and goes to sleep. Look around you, and you will see almost everyone with minds like that, dull, asleep, protected by layers of fat, not wanting to be disturbed or questioned into wakefulness. What are these layers? Every belief that you hold, every conclusion you have reached about persons and things, every habit and every attachment. In your formative years, you should have been helped to scrape off these layers and liberate your mind. Instead, your society, your culture, 
which put these layers on your mind in the first place, has educated you to not even notice them, to go to sleep and let other people, the experts, your politicians, your cultural and religious leaders, your news pundits, do your thinking for you. So, you are weighed down with the load of unexamined, unquestioned authority and tradition. Let us examine these layers one at a time. First, your beliefs. Mm. If you experience life as a communist or a capital capitalist, as a Muslim or a Jew, you are experiencing life in a prejudiced, slanted way. Mm. There is a barrier, a layer of fat between reality, or what I would call the truth, what Kapil Gupta would call the truth, reality and you because you no longer see and touch it directly. There's that layer, right? Mm. Second layer. So the beliefs are the first layer. First beliefs are, uh, first layer is your belief, yes. Okay. Second layer, your ideas. So, so is that the first question, what are my beliefs? Yeah, understanding okay. your beliefs. Cool. Yeah, what are my beliefs that lead to this? It's a great first right? question. Yeah. Second one is about your ideas. If you hold on to an idea about someone, then you no longer love that person, but your idea of that person. Mm. You see him or her do or say something or behave in a certain kind of way and you slap a label on them. She is silly or he is dull or he is cruel or she is very sweet, etc. Mm. So now you have a screen, a layer of fat between you and this person because when you next meet him or her, you will experience them in terms of that idea of yours, though they have changed. So what are my ideas? What, that makes me think of, they're the way things are, uh-huh. and they're the way things we wish they were. Uh-huh. And I've been in many relationships, romantic and friendships, where I had this idea mm-hmm. of what the relationship was, mm-hmm. um, and I was unwilling to see it for what it actually was. Right, and so maybe another way to say idea is label. Oh, so yeah. the label you put on someone, you're yeah. a capitalist, you're a communist. You're not seeing that person anymore. Yeah. You're seeing this idea that you've created mm. and slapped a label on. Ooh, and then like yeah, and then you mix that with beliefs. Oh man. Yes. I can't wait to hear the third one. So what are my beliefs? Mm-hmm. And then what are the labels I've created that are these ideas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The third layer, habits. Mm. A habit is essential to human living. How would we ever talk or speak or drive a car unless we relied on habit? But habits must be limited to things mechanical, not to love or to sight. Who wants to be loved from a habit? Mm. What a, that, that, I underline the sentence there. I mean, what a great, great sentence. But isn't that what we do? I can tell you, you've been married before, so I don't know if this applies to you. My first marriage, after a while, it was love out of habit. Yeah. That's not love. That's no. clinging. Yeah. Have you ever sat on a seashore spellbound by the majesty and the mystery of the ocean? A fisherman looks at that ocean daily and does not notice its grandeur. Why? The dulling effect of a layer of fat called habit. Mm. You have formed fixed ideas of all the things you see, and when encountering them, it is not them you see in all their changing freshness, but the same dull, thick, Boring idea acquired through habit. Mm. So our habits often lead to those ideas that we, we create those labels. 
Yeah, well, yeah. What I love about this is it makes me want to interrupt the habit of the the anxiety that I feel when it comes to ca- catastrophic thinking. Mm-hmm. So instead of instead of like going with it and being like, well, I just want to make sure that like, you know, I can travel safely through Los Angeles without there being a crowd of armed people mm-hmm. um, to interrupt that thinking. Mm-hmm. And well, Sam Harris would say to start again mm. and to, uh, to not perpetuate that anxiety. Cause right now I'm developing or have developed this habit of feeding into that anxiety. Yeah. And um, I have to figure out a way to um to stop that habit just to stop to stop feeding into that anxiety Hmm. so let's talk about that that is how you deal with people and with things how you relate to them no freshness no newness but the same dull routine Mm. boring ways produced by habit you are incapable of looking in other more creative ways for having a developed habit for dealing with the world and with people you can put your mind on automatic pilot and go to sleep mm. fourth layer your attachments and your fears mm. so they're intertwined here mm. attachments and fears this layer is the easiest to see put a thick coating of attachment of fear and therefore dislike on anything or anyone in that very instant you cease to see that person or thing as it really is just recall some of the persons you dislike or fear or are attached to, and you will see how true this is. Mm. Do you see now how you are in a prison created by the beliefs and traditions of your society and culture and by the ideas, prejudices, attachments, and fears of your past experiences? Wall upon wall surrounds your prison cell so that it seems almost impossible that you will ever break out and make contact with the richness of life and love Mm. and freedom that lies beyond your prison fortress. That's a great word because that's the Mm. thing that I felt now is freedom. Mm. And I think part of that has to do with expectations Mm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, I printed this out. I was buying a a Pyrex container. I don't even know what that is. I don't Uh, even want to know. I just want to imagine it has something to do with you wanting to be a pirate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's a synthetic pirate, a Pyrex. (laughs) Uh, It's a pirate dinosaur. Uh, No, so this was a review left on it. And I just loved, read it. It's five stars, Ryan. Read it. That's funny. Um, I will say real quick, the attachment and fears, it's almost like we get attached to our fears, by the way. Yeah, we'll keep exploring that in a moment. As expected. Five stars. <laughs> it, but isn't that true? The only way you're going to give something five stars is if it meets and exceeds your expectations. So really the rating of for a product or service mm. has to do with the expectation that we assign to that thing. Yeah. And so if you had a, a expectation that that Pyrex bowl was going to, um, I don't know, deliver mail for me as well. Mm-hmm. One star, not right. as expected. Yeah. Well, maybe I just had bad expectations. Mm. And so I'd probably throw that into the, the mix here as well. Yeah. Uh, freedom that lies beyond your prison fortress. And yet the task, far from being impossible, is actually easy and delightful. What can you do to break out? Mm. Four things, Ryan. Hmm. Four things you can do to break out of this prison that you have created. Mm. 
first, realize that you are surrounded by prison walls, that your mind has gone to sleep. Mm. Mm. It does not even occur to most people to see this, so they live and die as prison inmates. But most people end up being most people end up being conformists. They adapt to prison life. A few become reformers. They fight for better living conditions in the prison, mm. better lighting, better ventilation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's why I worry about even something like American Affairs, which is not a news outlet, uh, or even um, you know, the Dayton Business Journal, which is just like business. Uh, even those is like, am I fighting for better prison conditions? Mm. Mm-hmm. Are they serving me in some way? Mm. Only, only, uh, only time will tell. Hardly anyone becomes a rebel, a revolutionary who breaks down the prison walls. You can only be a revolutionary when you see the prison walls in the first place. Mm. Second, contemplate the walls. Spend hours just observing your ideas, your habits, your attachments, and your fears without any judgment and condemnation. Look at them, and they will crumble. Mm. I think that's the, the, that's the key. We, we all look, we want, when we say how-to, we often look for the five-step plan but the only how-to here is contemplate the walls, spend hours observing those ideas. And even me, it's programmed in me to say the bad ideas, the bad habits. Stop it. Mm. They're habits. They're not good or bad. They're ideas um, that have been instilled in, into us. So it, they're fears, the attachments scrutinizing those shows us what they actually are and that's the only time we're able to drop them or as DeMello says here they will crumble third spend some time observing the things and people around you Mm. look but really look as if for the first time at the face of a friend a leaf a tree a bird in flight the behavior and mannerisms of the people around you. Let me pause on that for a moment. I remember I read his first book, um, Awareness, and he had this exercise in there about as soon as you like tell a kid that you know, that bird is an egret, mm-hmm. they no longer see the bird. They see the idea of the bird, mm-hmm. right? And if he, he talked about how if you can see a tree without seeing tree, mm-hmm. but seeing the the essence, not the f- the the label of the thing, because mm. labeling what that does. There's a plant behind me, right? As soon as I call it a plant, like mm-hmm. it, it's helpful, so I can say there's a plant behind me, and you can hear me say it on a podcast. Yeah. But as soon as you look at it, it, you you're almost just approximating it. It's harder to see the beauty if you're just looking through the label the lens yeah. of the label yeah. right and by the way when, when you do like psychedelics or or even like uh edible thc you you can you can you can start to see things in a different way and you realize oh it's po- this is totally possible without any yeah i don't need a drug to do this mm-hmm. this is my mind can see the tree without seeing the concept mm. of the tree mm-hmm. right carrying on here really see them and hopefully you will see them afresh as they are in themselves without the dulling, stupefying effect of your ideas and habits. The fourth and most important step, Ryan, sit down quietly 
and observe how your mind functions. There is a steady flow of thoughts and feelings and reactions here. Watch the whole of it for long stretches of time in the way you watch a river or a movie. You will so- soon find it so much more absorbing than any river or movie mm. and so much more life-giving and liberating. That's the best way I've ever heard someone say, take time to meditate. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but in a, in a way that is... Uh, it's not the clearing your mind prescriptive thing that we often think of. It is, it is observing the thoughts. Observing, yeah, yeah but exactly. That, well, Sam Harris actually. Sam does a great job. He doesn't prescribe yeah, anything. Well, yeah, yeah and uh, uh, that's what his version of meditation is. At least, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how many days we're into the, you know, the, the program that he has, but every single time, it's never about clearing your mind it's Mm -hmm. never about no thinking it's always about observing the thoughts as they come Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think Mm -hmm. uh i've been reading a lot of kapil gupta recently and he he talks about in one of his books he talks about it may have been been in uh, direct truth um he talks about mindfulness is actually the problem like our mind is so full right now that that well yeah i mean it's yeah. the it's and so the prescription is not to meditate but to find meditativeness mm-hmm. in a way and, mm-hmm. and and we can do that and I, this is sam harris's point just not made as as directly but sam harris is like yeah, yeah you do the practice so that it becomes part of everyday observation it's not about the 20 minutes of calm every day no 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 it's mm-hmm. about it's a it's this this training the mind mm-hmm. to be more present, but not in a mm-hmm. prescriptive sort of way. And mm-hmm. Sam Harris is uh, waking up at waking up app does that really well. Uh, another one, Dan Harris, the other Harris brother, ten um, percent happier app um, mm-hmm. is uh, is certainly a resource for that. All right, we're rounding third, headed home here, Ryan. Watch the whole of it for long stretches of time, and you will. W- the way you watch a river or a movie, you will mm-hmm. soon find it much more absorbing than any river or movie and so much more life-giving and liberating. After all, you can even be said to be, can you even be said to be alive if you are not even conscious of your own thoughts and reactions? Mm. The unaware life, it is said, is not worth living. Mm. It cannot even be called life. It is a mechanical robot existence. Mm. A sleep an unconsciousness, a death. And yet, this is what people call human life. So, watch, observe, question, explore, and your mind will come alive and shed its fat and become keen and alert and active. Mm. Your prison walls will come tumbling down till not one stone of the temple will be left upon another, and Mm. you will be blessed with the unimpeded vision of things as they are, mm. the direct experience of reality. Mm. It's yeah, it's so funny the way you read, because the way that the way that you're reading it sounds very authoritative. Uh-huh. Um, where if I was reading that personally, it would be in a completely different tone. Mm-hmm. It would be like a. It's just interesting how just the the reading of it uh, has has a different effect. That's great, man. No, those are that's great advice. I think we had a 
this was a very meaningful conversation and um yeah, I, I, I appreciate you uh, going there with me. You said we wouldn't do this for an hour, and I think we're probably at an hour right we're now. We're over an hour. Yeah. We should probably get to um, – we have some folks who talked about their hidden clutter. By the mm. way, patrons, let us know in the comments about some of your hidden clutter. I'm, I'm really interested in what – because the patrons, they, they know what's up. They've been letting go, not just of stuff. But what, do you, what sort of hidden clutter are you finding? It can be physical things. Mm. I, I can tell you that when Bex and I – we're going through the um, the minimalism game this month. Like, it was surprising to me that we still had some hidden clutter, like some things. And I adhere to virtually all of our rules. I mean, I wrote them because there they were there were things I already did right, and and so or you and I came up with them together with other uh, with other rules, and and so. It's not like these were rules that were imposed on me by someone, by some totalitarian regime. Mm. I've, but over time, especially with Ella's stuff, you know, it's easy to accumulate clutter. And so some of the rules, like the 90-90 rule, that helps out. But I'm really interested to hear what the audience has to say. So you can comment on Patreon. We have some other comments here. And let's just, uh, let's uh, unpack some of these. Let's start with Karen. I still have broken things I hope to fix, keychains, stickers, and a set of drawers used to store knickknacks, birthday cards, pictures. Wait, broken birthday cards? <laughs> uh, I've been meaning to clear it so I can get rid of the drawers altogether. Oh, I see. Okay, so and then the drawers used to store these knickknacks, birthday cards. and I thought, yeah. I thought she was talking about broken drawers. And Anyway, um, yeah, I think there are all these... I don't like for Mariah and I it's uh we get all these Christmas cards thank you so much for adding to these Christmas cards <laughs> but it's like we have this stack of Christmas cards where I'm like we got to throw these out of course and yeah. Mariah's like well you know it's nice to see the families and stuff I'm like it is but like they're literally like what are we gonna do like hang on the, to them until we get the next Christmas cards or you know yeah. yeah it's funny how those things stack up and Karen sounds like she has a lot of these uh, little things that, that stack up. Hmm. The, the word that stood out to me is fix, right? I have so mm. many broken things I hope to fix. This actually came up quite a few times. Uh, we deleted several of them here, but like that, that term fix came up a lot. Like mm. I have broken things mm -hmm. that I'm hoping to fix. That's a, a pathology. I think that I, that I certainly embody. I'm a fixer, right? Mm. I want to fix things mm -hmm. there is no fixed though it's mm -hmm. always changing mm. and what has changed now is you have a broken bunch of broken things that are no longer adding value to your life and so i'm not telling you to do this but if it's me mm -hmm. what i would do is simply have a deadline if i don't fix this by the end of the year the end of the month the end of the week whatever it might be then it's probably not worth holding on to once i once I've established that deadline, that makes sense to me. I, I don't know. I think I'm trying to think of the last thing that I threw away that I was thinking about fixing. I just know that like there have been things that come up with like, oh, I could fix that. But like there's a truth that I can get to very quickly. Am I going to fix this mm. or is it going to sit around? There isn't, there's not even a deadline. It's like I can be honest with myself. Uh, if I am going to fix it, then it gets fixed right away. Yeah. It's like if I have a, like my mountain bike, I don't ride it every single day. Yeah. But 
you know, every I walked out and the tire was flat. And I was like, oh, I need to pump it up. So I pump it up. Pump, pump, pump it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it turns out somehow it had busted. I don't know how. The tube busted just sitting on my balcony. Ah. Uh, so I was like, oh, I got to fix that tire. I fixed it right away. Right. It wasn't like, oh, I'll put that off until tomorrow. Like if something needs yeah. fixed, then I have a plan to fix it right away. There's never like a plan to plan to fix it. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would, you know, me because of the OCD, like I, I would do something very similar, although I would probably schedule the fixing of it. Mm. Uh, so like, oh on thursday at 3 p.m you have house cleaning on your calendar yeah yeah that's funny, dude. <laughs> it's, it's time right. to tidy it's tidy up tuesdays <laughs> <laughs> patent pending uh let's see amy has a, a statement for us a plethora of hotel sized toiletries huh. <laughs> a plethora of hotel hotel sized toiletries which it's funny because hotel size sounds massive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an eight hundred thousand gallon <laughs> tub of shampoo. Yeah, um, but we all know what she means by the little hotel bottles. Yeah, uh, they're hidden away in drawer. In my, they're hidden away in a drawer in my closet. I never need them when I travel because the hotels always provide them. Yeah, here's what I would do. I would apply the ninety ninety rule to this one easily yeah. and be like. Oh, I've never used these, and I'm never going to use them. Goodbye. And mm. I get it. You know, so w- what if we go through that list again, Ryan, of what's the sequence of letting go, mm. right? The, the, the appropriate letting go sequence, how to let go of possessions here. You know, if you never hold on to it or grab it, yes. you'll never have to let go of it. And I think that's the important next part of it. <laughs> if you go beyond the sequence, the, the postscript to it is something like, and then in the future, don't bring anything in that you know you're going to have to immediately let go of. Yeah. Because um, I used to hold on to those little toiletries that the hotels give you. Because it's like, oh, I need soap sometimes. And I need, I need this sometimes. But then I started to get that collection. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I don't want this collection anymore. And by the way, it's garbage stuff. Right. So Chemicals. And, yeah. So it's oh. like, oh, I am no longer going to take these from the hotel because they're, yeah. There's just too much pain involved. So, yes, go through the steps. Yeah, so the steps, uh, again, just so you are caught up here, if we are possessed by our possessions, this is how we let go. If a thing stops adding value, sell it. Well, probably not going to sell these hotel-sized toiletries, right? (laughs) So if it doesn't sell in a week, lower the price. Okay, you can put it down to a penny, still Mm -hmm. not going to sell. If it doesn't sell in 30 days, Mm -hmm. you can go ahead and move on to this step right away. Donate it. Well, I don't know anywhere you can donate it. If you have somewhere you can donate it, great. Let us know in the Patreon comments below. Where to donate your hotel-sized <laughs> toiletries. I think they mean travel-sized. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if a donation place doesn't accept it, recycle it. Now, you can probably do that with a lot of these by pouring out the liquid, washing them out, recycling it. There's a whole argument that recycling plastic it may even be worse for the environment. We've had this discussion with... Annie Leonard and with Sheila Moravardi and uh, Moravati and uh, with uh, MIT scientist Ma- Andrew McAfee. Mm. Andrew wrote an essay about you know, if you want plastic to be in the ocean, recycle it. Mm. If you don't want it to be in the ocean, throw it away. Mm. Or don't bring it in 
to your life in the first place. That's the best option. That's really, yeah, go back and listen. Uh, if you're interested in this topic, I, I did a whole conversation with Sheila Moravati, uh, Moravati while Ryan was on vacation, and um, we talked a lot about plastic and waste, et cetera. Mm. Uh, so if, it, if you can't recycle it, then you trash it as a last resort, and then you avoid bringing it in in the future. If we were mm. to append it, that's what I would add. Amy, I, uh, I, I will just tell you this. Um, you have them now. They're causing some sort of distress. Is that worth the cost of holding on to it? If not, then I am going to let go. Tanya has a question for us, Ryan. Christmas things. Halloween things. Digital disorder. Lots of digital stuff. Tools. Seasonal clothes like snow boots, beachwear, party clothes, etc. Josh, how do you deal with your party clothes? <laughs> well, my birthday suit is my party clothes. <laughs> hey uh, I love this term, digital disorder. Mm. That's like a blog post right there. We should write this down somewhere. Christmas things, Halloween things, digital disorder, and then, of course, seasonal items. Seasonal mm. items fit into the 90-90 rule, right? Um, almost always, if... if you need to expand the rule for some reason because you have weird seasons or whatever. Expand it. Make it 100 days or 200 days or mm. a year, a year, whatever. It doesn't matter. Have mm. I used this in the last 90 days? Am I going to use it in the next 90 days? If not, I give myself permission to let go. Now, I also don't confuse just-in-case items for just-for-when just items. There are some things that I will buy in bulk and I use just for when, you know, toilet paper is a good example of that. Mm. Toothpaste, I will buy more than one tube. I usually buy four tubes of toothpaste at a time. I'm crazy like that. And as I do that, I do it just for when. It's not that I'm going to definitely use it within the next 90 days, but I know that it is going to get used and I will not buy any more until it is all used up. Mm. James has something for us. I have doubles of multiple tools stored in some boxes. I like to keep them. So if I ever have anyone in my life who gets into woodworking or renovating, I can just give those tools to them and save them a fortune. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, I guarantee you James isn't buying duplicates. It's like he's upgrading a tool and yeah. then he's holding on to the old one with this non-existent hypothetical this idea of this non-existent hypothetical future that someone's going to be like i need exactly what you have mm -hmm. yeah this is this is just for when but dressed up in a really fancy suit mm -hmm. right it's mm -hmm. any so if i ever have anyone in my life who gets into woodworking or renovating my question to that is how often does that happen if it happens mm. all the time and you've become the neighborhood tool loan service, mm -hmm. then maybe that adds immense value to your life and you're contributing to your community and you find mm -hmm. it to be a really meaningful experience. My guess is because you're asking this question or positing it this way, that's probably not the case. What is probably the case is, wow, this is a huge weight and I wish I could get rid of this, but someone might need this someday. That's the justification we can use for anything. Sure. We can use it for clothes. I can use it for dishware. Well, what happens when one of my friends moves out on their own? Uh, they'll need some dishware, so I might as well hold on to this until they need it. Of course, we can't plan for every one of those scenarios. Well, I relate with James. Uh, here's my hidden clutter that I just realized that Mariah and I had not too long ago. I'll get um, boxes. So I'll send people coffee, and I don't, I don't just have them send from bandit directly like i'll have extra coffee and like 
I'll be like, oh, I'm going to send this coffee to someone. So I will get something in the mail. It comes in a little box. And then uh, I will take that little box and I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this for future shipping, which is true. I do. It is a just for when. Mm-hmm. But it got to a point where Mariah is like, can you come here and look at all these boxes that we have? And like I looked at it and I'm like, oh, wow. Like, okay, let's just hold on to two. There's like six of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, and I, she was going to add more. And I was like, oh, let's get rid of, like, I know I'm going to use them, but let's just keep it to two. We'll get rid of everything else. And I'm talking like little tiny, you know, they can stick a bag or two of coffee in. Sure. But it was this like, I didn't, uh, I just didn't realize how it was stacking up. Yeah. Um, And you were certain you were going to use them. 100% 100%, yeah. And that's where just for when comes in. Not six of them though. Right. Right. And, and, or maybe you were going to use six of them, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't in a time frame in which you felt comfortable storing six boxes Mm -hmm. because over the course of the next 10 years, you'll probably use six boxes. Yeah. But if you had to store six boxes for the next 10 years, it wouldn't make sense to do that. Yes. And yeah. And the reason why I got, I, I, I got the number two in my head was because as you know, I get it, you know, stuff from wherever you know whether it's uh, i don't know amazon or whatever like you get the little boxes it's like i know that i'm more tiny boxes are going to come in right. than what goes out yes so i can like set that boundary of like okay i'm going to hold on to two of them and then uh anything beyond that is excessive so james that's are people asking for advice or are they just admitting what they're holding on to yeah we went out and asked people to admit what what they were sort of struggling okay. with yeah, so uh, yeah, I won't give James any advice, but um, what I'll say is, is I have set up some boundaries that have helped me with the with uh, holding on to things like that. What about Mama on Fire's question? OTC medicine. <laughs> so over the counter medicine. You get sick, get meds, use them for a few days, put them away, and then they expire or just sit there. Um, yeah, I can tell you what I do because this happens to me where. I ho- you know, if you come to our, our house, my one of my cabinets looks like a pharmacy because of all the the supplements from all the GI stuff I've been mm-hmm. working on. Mm-hmm. And I, I still follow the ninety ninety rule mm-hmm. on supplements. Mm-hmm. Uh, medication you may according to whatever your doctor says in terms of holding on to it longer if necessary, but you're right, they do have expiration dates and I assume those expiration dates are there for a reason. Mm. It's probably to sell us new medication. But uh, yeah, I'm sure medication expires at some point. Mm. And so, of course, uh, how do you do this? Well, you set up, as Ryan said, boundaries. Ryan, you know how I set up a boundary? I literally have one bin. Mm. And if it doesn't fit in that bin, I go to put something new in there. Well, then I have to, that's when I examine the whole thing. It's always fascinating. If that bin gets full, and it's very neatly sort of put together, but then once it's full, and if it's full, I go put something else in there. Then I'm like, all right, 90-90 rule on everything in here. Mm. And I just start taking it out. And, and immediately, like, a third of the bin is all, is all of a sudden empty because things have expired, et cetera. Yeah. Linda has a question for us. The stuff behind closed cupboard doors, especially stuff that's been shoved away due to visitors. This is oh, fascinating. Yeah. I had Nate, um, Nate Green stay with me a few years ago. He's a former podcast guest. We did an episode about breakups. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to him, by the way. He's remarried. Well, actually married now. He wasn't um, married before. He was. He got out of a 10-year relationship with a wonderful woman who mm-hmm. we love, and they, it just wasn't working for them anymore. And so he talked about that relationship on our podcast, the breakups mm-hmm. episode. Uh, I think it was eh, 155. Um, Dunbar's number starts disintegrating after 150, right? Uh, the sad part is that it also goes back and erases my memory of the... <laughs> 
of everything before 150. I need to your memory. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's just I'm. It's the wheel of death sometimes in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, where was I going? Oh, I had Nate over, and he was like, uh, "It's it's so nice that uh, this place feels so calm to me," mm. and it, I could tell like you didn't have to like clean up for guests to come over. Mm. You could do a photo shoot in my house right now, mm-hmm. or in Ella's room mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got another um, best practice from our friend Drew mm-hmm. from the band We, who does the soundtracks to both of our films. He's yep. the lead singer. You hear his beautiful voice at the end of both of our films. Um, by the way, that soundtrack is out there now. It's phenomenal if you want to check it out. Less is now soundtrack. Anyway, I got this every night when his uh, three kids go to bed. Mm-hmm. They call it setting the stage. They spend, He and his wife spend 15 minutes setting the stage mm. you're familiar with this you're a theater head sure um they they set the stage at at the end of the day and i thought well what a great way to not allow the hidden clutter to build up is the end of each day they just spend 15 minutes everyone's got you know 15 10 minutes whatever to set the stage and it's just pulling everything together so that you're not if you do have guests over you're not panicked all of a sudden it's shoving stuff in the drawers and cabinets and everything else. Mm. Um, one other thing that has helped is um, I, at my best retail stores back in the day, um, I would encourage, you probably remember this, Ryan, mm. uh, I would encourage the people who, who work there to make even, and Sean did a phenomenal job with this. I mean, he was like the template for this. Mm. Uh, podcast Sean over there, he used to do inventory for a lot of retail stores. Uh, operations manager and he 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 made the stock rooms look pristine as though they were oh, yeah. customer facing oh yeah and couldn't we do the same thing with our cabinets and drawers mm-hmm. in fact uh, I don't know, maybe once a quarter or a few times a year we have someone who like really comes out and does a deep clean like baseboards and stuff mm-hmm. but I always have to clean up after her mm. What do I mean by that? I have to retidy everything because everything in my cabinets is is organized so that it's like it's as though it wasn't hidden behind a cabinet at all. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting how the easy thing is to not do any of those things. It's the it takes a lot of work to yeah. get there, but uh, the more you do it, the less you actually have to do. Lisa has a statement. <laughs> I'm starting. My master's program, and I'm afraid to throw away my handwritten notes from the classes because I know I'll need them for my career in helping others. Mm. I would be interested to know what the career is because I can't think of... I can think of books that are important. I can't think of notes that are... Underwater dog walking is mm. the career. Well, then, yes. Gotta have your textbooks. Gotta have your textbooks and notes from that. Yeah, so Lisa, the, uh, I know that... When it came to my notes from my uh, my bachelor degree, my bachelor's degree, I ha- I hung on to them because I th- like calculus. I really like math, and I thought that I would like look at those one day to like go back through the I don't know the quadratic formula. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I actually did try to go back through those years later, and like I would have I would need it to be taught to me. I mean, I could tell you the quadratic formula, but getting from, you know, the, the beginnings through all the math that gets you to the quadratic formula, I would have to be retaught that I couldn't get there just with my notes. Right. So all that to say is, is personally, I was lying to myself Mm. and, uh, 
yeah, so I was able to realize like, oh, I don't need these notes, and I was able to get rid of them. I don't know what her career is. Maybe there is. I don't know. I can't. I can't personally can't think of a career that you're going to be like, oh my god, I got to go through my sophomore year undergrad notes to help this person. If you're a writer, I think. I think if you're a writer, it might make sense to have your writings from that period of time, right? Yeah. Or a teacher, maybe. What do you think about being a teacher? Like, would you need notes from? However long ago to help you, I'm, I'm looking at podcast Sean here. Yeah, podcast Sean was a uh, an English teacher, mm-hmm. and do those notes from 2007 serve you well right now? They keep me the notes, but they did keep a lot of the books. Yes, ah, so the yeah. book, yeah, the books, of I course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so Sean is just reiterating, like, yeah, the books are important, but the notes maybe not so much. And even the books, you know, it's it's finding the ones that still serve you. There are some books that Sean has recommended to me that I even teach in my writing class yeah. now, like Grammatically Correct or um, yeah. who's the, the was it Harris? Was it, uh, um, oh, it's uh, it's where mm. I learned about polysyndeton and asyndeton. Um, it's interesting because a lot of those books too become outdated. Yeah, it's like the yeah. newest editions that have different information in them. So sometimes even the books are not as necessary. Yeah, yeah and that's even true even with something like writing. Um, now, so we talked on the minimal episode, so we'll just reiterate this here. You can scan those books. Mm. So you don't have to have that. Though, if you ever need access to it, by the way, those Ooh. if you have them scanned by a place like $1 Scan or any other, you know, just Google document scanning or book scanning, and you can find a bunch of other places. I don't care which one that you go with. If, um, if you have it scanned, they're searchable. It actually makes the book more useful. Oh. Because you can search, you know, I want to search polysyndeton. Now I don't have to scroll through the whole, flip through all the pages to find polysyndeton. Same with this book. I I can, if I had this scanned, I could just search attachments and it's going to show every time attachments pops up. Interesting. Then I I don't have to deal with the physical clutter. And I realize you could search scanned words. So, um, So, yeah, I mean, if I did have notes that I absolutely needed for my career in helping others, uh, then yeah, I mean, scanning them sounds like a really good option that I might do. Yeah, and the notes themselves, you could scan through a, a service like scanmyphotos.com or just do your own scanning party mm-hmm. uh, from the Minimalist Rulebook. Mm-hmm. Ash has a question for us. Christmas crap, ugh. Is it okay to not decorate for the holidays? Of course, it's okay to not decorate. No. <laughs> there you, you go. Scrooge. That's right. How dare you? That I cut way back on my clutter. Ash... Is wow. it, it the question isn't is it okay for Josh or I to not decorate? The question is is it okay for you to not decorate? Mm. And there's only one person Ash that knows the answer to that question. His name is Jordan Moore. <laughs> He'll tweet it. Tweet him at Jordan No More. He'll tweet you the answer, Ash. Uh, Ash, let me let me just say this: minimalism leads to beauty because the bones are the beauty of the thing. Think of the most elegant, beautiful displays that you've seen Christmas or otherwise it doesn't have to even be a holiday thing Mm -hmm. the most beautiful architecture Mm -hmm. the most beautiful paintings are often not always but are often simple Mm -hmm. now as Ryan alluded to that's not easy it's not easy to paint the Mona Lisa or to do a Banksy thing right but it can be simple Mm. the most beautiful christmas lights can be 
very, very simple. In fact, they might be more beautiful if you simplify. SW has a question for us. Things people bought me as a gift, like Xmas presents, I never wanted. So that's a, a piece of hidden clutter here. What are they going to do with all those tie clips, Josh? Well, <laughs> they are going to sell it. If it doesn't sell in a week, lower the price. If it doesn't sell in 30 days, donate it. If a donation place won't accept it, recycle it. If it can't be recycled, then you have to wear it no matter what. Wear the tie clip. I can't believe you're telling SW to sell presents that were given to them. <laughs> hey, here's the thing, though, SW. If it's a present that was given to you, it's yours. Yes. And you get to decide what you do with your things. It is presently your present. I will. I mean, I've had mentoring students in the past that have this exact issue, and I've always said, if you really feel that bad about it, like I, what I do with my gifts that I get from like my grandma or my mom, I'm like, I appreciate this gift, but this right. isn't something that I'm going to use. It's it's not going to serve a purpose mm-hmm. in my life. So. I would love to give this back to you, or I can find it a really good home. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one particular mentoring student that went to their parents and was like, "Hey, I, you know, there's all these things you gave me," and like they took it all back. They're like, "Okay," they're like, "Yeah, um, we appreciate that. We'll go ahead and we'll find it a better home." Wow! But there was no hostility. It was no, still like a very way, even yeah. if someone acted in a hostile way. Mm-hmm. Imagine like really taking it to the extreme. Like if Ryan's like, "Hey Josh, you know, you got me that that tie, and um, I don't need any more. Is it okay if I find another home, or would you like it back?" How dare you, I, you piece of yeah, and just like going off on you. Mm. That would say everything about me. Yeah, and it would no longer even be your problem. It would clearly be my problem. Yeah, Fina would like to weigh in. Clothes. Trying to figure out what to part ways with and what to keep. So I, I think this is a <laughs> unique question and this has come up in different ways because of the pandemic and people mm. are like, well, I'm dressing differently now. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And so maybe there's new rules that apply now. And, you know, I, you know I'm not wearing a suit every day. I used to have to wear a, a suit and tie every day. Mm. Okay. If you anticipate you're going to go back to that, that is a just for win item. Mm-hmm. Now there would be some deadline I would still put on it at some point. If I'm not, if I don't use it by the end of 2021, then it, there's a good chance that at some point it's just going to go out of style anyway, right? right? Um, but the other thing is, you could also, if you have too many work clothes, be like, I just don't know what to keep. What I what I don't know what to let go of, and because of the pandemic, I just need to put this all on pause. Well, you could still do a Project 333, Courtney mm-hmm. Carver's uh, program. It's just project333.org. It's called Project 333. It's three items over, um, 33 items over over um, mm. uh, 30 days, uh, or three months, rather. Um, so three months, 33 items. And you could narrow it down now. Even if you're not wearing those clothes, you could pick 33 items, sort of make that capsule for yourself, and keep wearing your pajamas for mm. the foreseeable future. With me personally, like the pandemic hasn't changed what I wear at all. Yeah. Except for the mask. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? When It's a a Richard Nixon mask. When we don't have to wear masks anymore, that'll probably change again. Yeah. And I won't hoard them, right? Yeah. 
All right, Perry would like to weigh in. Too much of everything kitchen-related because it may come in handy. It may come in handy, in it's quotes the new there. just in case. It's the new just in case. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I like that. At least uh, it, that's just in case dressed up in a tuxedo, right? It yeah. may come in handy. Yeah. Too much of everything kitchen-related. Yeah, the kitchen thing, I think this is one of those areas, especially when it comes to the – if you're playing the Less Is Now Challenge slash 30-Day Minimalism Game mm. – the kitchen is often one of those places to start because there's so many of these it may come in handy items, yeah, right? right? The waffle iron may come in handy. Well, you just counter that with either the just in case rule, which is I can replace any of this for $20 less than 20 minutes, or the 90 90 rule. I think both of those things are certainly applicable here. Mm. Kim would like, uh, she has something to say. The dreaded junk drawer sunglasses, light bulbs, office supplies. Uh, I actually like the junk drawer um, in the sense that it's a boundary for me. So there's just one junk drawer. Um, there's yes. no bins in it. It's not nice. And I love, like, you posted a picture of your junk drawer, and people are like, that's not a junk drawer because it's all, like, it's the perfect OCD junk drawer. Yeah, it, it feels like junk to me, though. Yeah. Right. And uh, for, uh, for, for Mariah and I, it's a drawer that – yeah, like you got the random whatever she has in here. I think we have probably all those things in there with the exception of sunglasses. Um, but when it gets full, then we start to really question, mm-hmm. okay, what is in here that we can get rid of? What, yeah. what, how can, what can we sell? What falls within the 90-90 rule? I mean, there are boundaries that we've set up for things that we feel like we may not need anymore. So then we right. start to question those things once that drawer gets full yeah 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 i think that with the junk drawer for me it is something i have to look at every day and so when i say that anything in a drawer or in a cabinet needs to be for me needs to be as presentable as though it was not in a Mm. in a cabinet Mm. Uh, but there are some things that fall in that junk drawer that yeah they're just sort of junk yeah yeah i love simply mel's here i can't decide about my wedding dress Mm. What are you trying to decide? Well, you know, if I had a wedding dress that I was holding on to, uh huh, I don't know whether it was my mother's wedding dress, or whatever, my own wedding dress. Yes, it's the 21st century. I can have a wedding dress without your judgment, uh-huh. Milburn. I don't care if you have a wedding dress. Um, you know, and if it was if it was weighing on me, mm-hmm. I would ask myself the question. Why what buy if, such a heavy wedding dress? What if this thing, like right now, look at this mirror. Let's talk about this mirror right here, okay? Uh-huh. If I ask myself, like, all right. Mirror, mirror on mirror, the wall. Mirror, on the wall. <laughs> Man, I'm ugly. Who's the toothsomeness of all? Yeah. Um, if this mirror spontaneously combusted, how would I feel? The spontaneous combustion rule. Yeah. So for me, it would be like, oh, dude, the mirror spontaneously combusted. Um, I'd feel inconvenienced. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we would have to you know what like we got to do quick hair check or you know i got to make sure there's nothing in my teeth whatever it is mm-hmm. um we're gonna have to go get another one of those which we could get pretty easily right but that lets me know how important or if this mirror is has any significance whatsoever mm-hmm. so if the response is like oh we'd have to go replace that item mm-hmm. then it's probably something that is worth holding on to mm-hmm. so with the or wedding the answer was I, i'd be devastated if i lost it right I would, I would start to question that devastation. Exactly, yeah. But I wouldn't just get rid of the thing that's going to devastate me. Of course. Of course not, yeah. But maybe there's maybe right now, 
But so let's say simply Mel is like, you know what? If I got rid of that wedding dress, it would devastate me. Well, then I would say, okay, please don't get rid of your wedding dress. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that devastation. Mm. What does that What does that attachment look like? Where does it come from? Mm. What do, What does it say about the truth? What is the truth behind the attachment? Mm. Katie has something to say. Things I have set aside but don't know where to donate or get rid of them. Donationtown.org is a good resource in terms of, uh, a reliable resource in terms of uh, different places to which you can donate things. By the way, I've heard of places. It's like uh, we bought mattresses, I believe, at uh, Mattress Warehouse in Missoula at one point. Mm -hmm. Not Mattress Warehouse. What is it? Uh, Donation Warehouse. Donation Warehouse, yes. And so... That's how I heard about Donation Warehouse was through donationtown.org mm. originally. Mm. Now, you know the all these mattress companies now? Of course you do. If you listen to podcasts, you've heard about all the mattress companies. Right. By the way, the Minimalist Private Podcast brought to you by Helix Sleep. Oh, I thought it was Casper. <laughs> I thought it was Serta. That's the, the pre-roll. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're whores and we'll let any mattress company just give us money and we'll talk about it. Oh, my God. No. Um, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't have, um, I, I don't care in terms of any of those. But like, I know they, a lot of them have a a hundred day money back guarantee, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now they obviously can't take it back and resell it, mm-hmm. so they just give it to a local donation warehouse. And so the one in Missoula, for example, like it's just full now of pretty barely much used, pretty much brand new mattresses, Casper mattresses. Yeah. So. Think about that when you're going to buy your next mattress. How many of these free mattresses are out there, basically? Mm. Um, that I mean, they're not free, but they're they're next to free. Mm-hmm. You're you're paying charity prices mm-hmm. for it. Um, and so, yeah, donationtown.org is a great resource. But you can also look for other resources in your area. This is a hi- hyper localized thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why Donation Town works. It points you toward somewhere locally. But if you can't find a place locally, then you can simply Google. Like, how do I get rid of batteries in Los Angeles, California? And they'll show you places. You'll be able to find places to take batteries. And that answer is going to be different in L.A. than it is in Tucson, etc. Let's see. Radika. Radika. I still hold on to my books and fashion accessories that get accumulated in drawers. You know, again, I this goes back to the junk drawer for me. This just mm-hmm. sounds like a fancy word for junk drawer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my uh, makeup drawer or you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, my fashion accessory drawer. It's uh, If there's junk in it, it's a junk drawer. Tweet mm-hmm. that podcast, Sean. Mm-hmm. Jamie has something to say here, Ryan. I have let go of three boxes of music CDs. I still have one of my favorites in the garage. Nothing... To play them on, just not <laughs> quite ready to let them go. Well, you could swap out CDs for VHS cassette tapes. Yeah, or eight tracks or uh, laser discs. Yeah. And, and by the way, that, I love that you just said that, Ryan, because what that does is if you, instead of CDs, you were to say laser disc, all of a sudden it sounds absurd to yeah. most people. But let's say I did, you know, personally, if I had some laser discs, I would find a way to convert them. Um, you know, we just converted some stuff. Uh, for the documentary, Less Is Now, yeah. um, some of our childhood stuff. And those things added value to the documentary. So we went, found a way to convert it. We didn't just 
you know, let them say, oh, by the way, I don't have those, whatever we, we, you know, we had some eight mil and some VHS stuff like that's gone now. All that's gone. So, um, digitized. Yeah. So we digitized it. The Um, nice thing about that, Ryan, is they were sitting in a duffel bag before. mm -hmm. If that duffel bag got stolen or caught on fire or there was a flood or you just spilled water on it, even it could ruin the contents of that duffel bag. Now, ultimately, the sort of Zen approach to that would be, and that would be okay too. There's, but mm-hmm. if you want access to those things, then the way to do that is to have it digitized, saved to a cloud, mm-hmm. r- redundant on a hard drive, and then all of a sudden, you've removed that psychological weight altogether. Yep. Kim has something for us. I have all the things my kids made at school, about six boxes full. But I'm thinking of only keeping the things they made for Mother's and Father's Day. Well, Kim, you keep whatever adds value to your life, but six boxes doesn't sound like it's adding a lot of value. I mean, um, if you see the Father's Day rule in our minimalist rule book, it says you can keep only the Father's Day items, not the Mother's Day items. Because Josh is chauvinist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's his rule, not mine. Um, I say you only keep the Mother's and not the Father's. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, he's a uh, what do they call it? a male feminist. Well, you know, you could take pictures of of those things. That's that's what I did. Like I had um, some very sweet cards that uh, like an ex girlfriend. Exactly. Yeah, ex girlfriend's niece made me, or my little. I haven't. I have a couple nieces. Uh, one of my nieces made me, and you know they're really nice. Like I love you, your great uncle card. Um, I took a picture of it and I threw it away. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't seem callous, and I'll tell you, I have not looked at those pictures since. Well, it was a little callous when you ripped it up in front of her, and then threw it, set it on fire, and then threw it into a burning trash can. Well, you know, it was a teacher lesson. <laughs> <laughs> You're still trying to figure out that lesson, oh, or oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. No, that that is tough though, man. Like being a parent. And you don't want to throw away your kids' memories. Oh, I get and it. And you want to respect that the work that they put in. There's a way to respect the work and the creativity without holding on to every single piece of art. I have a drawer on my desk, Ryan, and, and I wouldn't call it a junk drawer because I I access it. And so Bex and I get cards for each other all the time, mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And that drawer is full of cards from her. Mm. I'll go in there randomly, just pick one out, and I'll read it. Oh, this is great. Now, if the whole thing spontaneously combusted, I really would not care mm. at all. Mm-hmm. But I access them. And that's the nice thing. I just have access to it. I could photograph it. It'll all be the same thing. But I literally, there's this extra drawer in my desk because I didn't want to start just, well, I've got the drawer. I need to start filling it with something. I'm like, well, no, I need a place for these cards. So this will now be my card drawer. And I won't put anything else in this drawer except these cards. And so if... uh, and I also do this with Ella, but it's almost the reverse of this. With uh, you know, kids' artwork, mm-hmm. we keep one piece of artwork on the fridge. Mm-hmm. And she has this great T-Rex drawing on our fridge right now. It's my favorite one of anything she's done. But anytime we replace it, we'll take that off and she'll throw it away. And it's teaching her that it doesn't hurt to yeah. let go. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it doesn't hurt to let go. Tweet that podcast, Sean. Ryan, before we go, I want to remind patrons, we have a a new podcast called Minimalism Today. It's the JFM solo podcast where I talk to some of you patrons, specifically, only, uh, exclusively patrons, and it's only on Patreon. It costs you nothing. You have access to it. Uh, We're doing that every Monday. The first season is 
five weeks long. And I called up some folks and we had some conversations. Uh, uh, we had some understandings, some misunderstandings, mm-hmm. and we'll see how it goes. Looking forward to your feedback on that. We can consider doing future seasons of that as well. Also, speaking of podcasts, uh, Bex started her own podcast it's called How to Love. It's on Patreon only. There's um, two episodes out there right now. I'm the co-host. She asked me to co-host. I said, yes. Well, I said no, and she held a gun to my head. <laughs> no, it's been, uh, man, it's been, the thing about this podcast that I've been doing with you for the last five years, I didn't realize, Ryan. Hmm. It's like we've been creating a record of our lives in a way. Yeah. And and it's out there. It's in the ether. People are getting value from it. Some people aren't, and that's okay. But it has created this thing that is going to outlast me, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. And we're doing the same thing, but with love. You know, it's about relationships, sex, and parenting, not mm-hmm. necessarily in that order. And And I don't know. I've... I've learned so much over the last five years doing this podcast with you. I've learned how to communicate better. I've learned how to listen better. I've learned how to host better for sure. And I think with this other podcast with how to love, it's learning how to love better and in some way. Uh, and I think a lot of that is exploring what love is. You know, the, the how to thing is it's obviously not, it's satire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no how to. Wouldn't it be funny, like, step one of how to love? Yeah, I mean, so a better way of saying is it's teaching you how to get to the deeper truths of love and relationships, parenting, sex. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's uh, uh, helping me, yeah, understand the truth behind love. Mm. Wow, that's just a long podcast title. How to love rolls off the tongue a lot better, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of love... Let's end this episode. I was walking into the studio today. Do you remember Sons of William? They were a band in 2007. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were Griffin Houses, our friend Griffin. He, uh, they were like his touring band. So they would open up for him, and then they would also be his band mm. when he was touring. Mm. They have a phenomenal album. And the third song on the album is called Easy to Love. Mm. And so I'd like to end this episode from a, with a song, a random song from 2007 called easy to love this is from sons of william all right y'all love people and use things we'll see you next time thank you patrons y'all are amazing See